1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Straight up with no chaser. You're in the sports bar with Danger and Bataglia on the Sports Leader, 95.7 FM and AM 950 The
3: Fan, Rochester. I mean, it really is an honor to have Ryan Talbot on with us. You know, I don't know how many people our guests in the sports bar, who actually have a food named after them. I think he's the first. Might be. Yeah. I mean, he's big time now. You know you've made it when they name a wing after you. What's up, Ryan? Tell us about the, what, what is the, the Wingnuts wing that they named after you?
2: Yes, yeah, the the Tangy Talbot wing. It is a hot Cajun honey garlic wing, and it is fantastic. I tried some out yesterday at our event at Wingnuts and uh. Uh, a lot of people have been giving them some rave reviews. Well, oh, and then of
4: course, like like your name is attached to it. Now, did you were you actually in the lab on this, Ryan? Did they sit you down, and be like, "What do you like?" What you know? How did that whole process work?
2: You know, honestly, just a pleasant surprise. Uh, I had no idea. I, I think they know I like the honey garlic. I like the Cajun, so they kind of mixed that through a little. Uh, tanginess in it with the heat. So a great combination overall for me, though, when, when all is said and done. I just
3: imagine Ryan in the in the kitchen there with wing nuts. Uh, you know, yes, Chef. Yes, <laughs> yes, I like. Do, do you like the yes, tag? Yes, Chef. Yes. Ryan, we've got uh, training camp here a week from Wednesday. We've been spending a lot of time talking about preseason camp battles and, and who could emerge at middle linebacker, what the interior of the offensive line is going to look like. What do you have your sights set on first and foremost here as we uh, gear up for St. John Fisher?
2: Yeah, first and foremost for me is uh, probably that cornerback competition in terms of who's getting the first reps out there opposite Trey White. Uh, How are they breaking down the snaps in terms of, you know, maybe they put Kyrie Elam out there first, but are they giving more snaps, more workload to Dane Jackson, or uh, is Christian Benford getting a fair shake? Because really going into camp, minus middle linebacker, that's the most intriguing battle in my opinion. And then obviously on the other side of the ball, I want to see how quickly they can get Dalton Kincaid involved in this offense. And while training camp's a small sample of what you'll see, that, you know, if he plays a big role in terms of when they're out there uh, pressing against that starting defense, and you're seeing him out there with the, the first team early on, I think that's going to be a promising sign.
4: Yeah, it, it, so when you look at the middle linebacker position, that's a huge hole. Uh The Bills had to make the choice that so they didn't want to pay that money uh, to Jermaine Edmonds, and, and not that I fault them, Ryan, because there is a salary cap, but How would you assess the candidates here? Because you have Dotson, who some think are going to get the first shake. See if you agree with that. But then you have Bernard, who, all right, I'm not sure what they have. And then a third-round pick in Dorian Williams, would the Bills actually trust a rookie? Maybe there's somebody else. Maybe it's A.J. Klein. How would you assess here who is the favorite and who might be the long shot as far as who's going to get that job?
2: Yeah, I don't know if there is a favor. That's the, the odd thing about this competition. Usually when you let someone walk away like this, you, you either have someone waiting in the wings that you feel like, okay, he's the odds-on favorite, or you draft someone early. I can't sit here and say that Dorian Williams, the third-round pick, is the odds-on favorite. We saw last year Terrell Bernard, a third-round pick, barely sniffed the field, and when he did, he kind of looked a little bit lost out there. Uh, Williams, though, they they like his matchup ability. So maybe he comes in and he impresses out of the gate. But, you know, Bernard had a really strong spring here in year two. He's in the mix. You mentioned Tyrell Dodson. If I had to guess, Dodson would be who I would select. I mean, he's still younger. He has a lot of knowledge of this defense. Uh, When he had to play, when uh, you know, when Edmonds missed a game here and there, I thought he's played pretty well. But the problem is he's had some durability issues in his career. A.J. Klein's an aging veteran, uh, someone that was sitting on the market for a long time. So I can't, you know, sit here with confidence to say that he's the odds-on favorite. And then you have like a a long shot like Balin Spector, who uh, was in a draft pick a year ago, a late pick nonetheless, but he has the athleticism you're looking for. He has the size. So you go into training camp and truly it's anyone's guess who's going to end up winning that job.
3: Ryan, we, we look at the interior of the offensive line outside of uh, Mitch Morse there and, and try to figure out and dissect who could actually uh, be the best guard that this team has had since Richie Incognito. It's just been a revolving door at guard. What's your take on how it all shakes out here? You know, Do you think, given that they invested a second-round pick in Osiris Torrance, that we could possibly see him as a starter as soon as week one?
2: I think there's a possible chance, but what complicates it is you gave a decent contract to Connor McGovern in free agency. He was certainly a priority for you. So you have him, I would think, slotted in at one spot. And then you have another spot where you have Ryan Bates, a returning starter. You have Osiris Torrance, who is a mauler in the run game, but they might need to see him clean up some of his technique as a pass protector. Uh, you, you You bring in Edwards, David Edwards, who has experience under Aaron Cromer. Ike Butker's back in the mix. They have a lot of guys for maybe one spot. In my opinion, the way that that contract they gave to McGovern uh, has me thinking he's starting in, in one of those spots. And you know, Ryan Bates has been solid during his tenure on the as a starter, but maybe his versatility kind of knocks him out of the starting lineup. And he's that first guy off the bench that you could technically start in four different spots.
4: We're talking to Ryan Talbot, NewYorkUpstate.com, as the Bills. It'll be next Wednesday, the 26th. Uh, Rookies will be kind of coming into town uh, this coming Wednesday, but that is not open to the public. It is not open to the media, so just going (laughs) to let them get uh, acclimated to whatever it is they need to. Um, Ryan, as far as you brought up the corner position, and we were talking about Kyure Elam. When you look back last year, and I I guess if you didn't have the first-round tag, on Kyrie Elam we wouldn't be thinking about Kyrie Elam is is somebody that really needs to kind of step up here but uh the idea that he wasn't active for that Patriot game Elam Benford and you can't forget about Dane Jackson and what do we feel right now about Tredavious White um the Bills couldn't do the unthinkable and actually bump White behind some of those guys what are your thoughts on the corner position?
2: Yeah, I think White spot is set in stone unless he is still, you know, not looking close to 100% in terms of uh, when he came back last year at Thanksgiving, I thought he still had trouble making cuts, getting out of breaks. I don't think necessarily it was the injury. I think it might have been a confidence factor. I thought he had a really strong spring, however, so I'm expecting him to have one of those spots locked down. It would have to be just something shocking at camp in terms of being, beaten regularly to have him lose a spot, and I just don't see that happening. So, for the other cornerback spot, you know, Kyrie Elam, you're right, first-round pick, he doesn't see a lot of action on the field, but when he was out there, I thought he played pretty well. He made some, you know, big interception in the Chiefs regular season game, um, some interceptions in some other matchups, passes defense against Miami in the playoffs, and late in the regular season, he had some nice play as well. I guess it was more of the practice habit, or what they were seeing during the week that kind of kept him off the field and limited his opportunities, which, you know, I'm not a head coach, I'm not a GM, but if I have a first-round pick, I want them getting reps and experience out there, and especially when he's flashing on the field in live game action. But uh, this is a coaching staff that would rather have plays stopped in front of them, even if they're giving up receptions and not giving up the big play. And Dane Jackson is kind of, uh, you know, the new Levi Wallace, where – you trust him not to be beaten for the big play. He might give up some catches. He's better than I think a lot of people you know, give him credit for. Uh, but he has a ceiling in terms of he's not going to break a, a certain ceiling in terms of his play, where Elam has a much higher ceiling. Even Christian Benford has a much higher ceiling. And he's someone that came in and started out of the gate because of his experience in uh, playing zone coverage in college. So he's going to be right there too. But I'm hoping when all is said and done that Elam's getting those opportunities and those reps because I, I felt like when he was on the field, he did a fairly good job.
3: Ryan, last year at this time you you bring up Christian Benford I don't think anybody last year at this time was was raving in in anticipation for Christian Benford's uh you know first training camp at St John Fisher University is there a player going into this camp that you think could kind of rise up and surprise us uh, somebody that you maybe have heard that the bills might be already high on just based on OTAs
2: Well, I think Alex Austin, again, cornerback position, and they have so many guys it's going to be hard to crack this roster, but he played in a defense that uh, played in multiple schemes, but they they had a zone element, and he was at his best in the zone element. There's something to be said about that where you have a knowledge of the, the techniques, you have a knowledge of what the system wants you to do, and you can come in without missing a beat because when it comes to rookies, you know, one, it's usually absorbing the playbook, making sure you're in the right spot. When you have that comfort level, that that's such a, a big factor. And, and I know you're not just talking, you know, the rookie class. Um, there are some veterans on this team that I'm I'm really interested in. Uh, I'm not sitting here predicting Shane Ray makes this roster, but he had these terrible circumstances where very productive first few seasons in Denver, then he has the, this, repeating wrist injury he has all these wrist injuries keeps him out of the field and by the time he's ready to come back you you hit the covid season so then he's not in the nfl and he's kind of worked his way back from the cfl he's a guy that i i want to watch and see how he looks because of his flashes early in his career in denver um i don't know i mean there's a lot of young guys on this roster too second year third year guys that you know, all eyes are going to be on them, and it's just going to come down to numbers. I look at that defensive end room, and there's a lot of younger players, and I wouldn't be shocked if one or two of them were dealt because you only have so many, you know, spots on this roster.
4: Ryan, uh, we've covered enough of the camps here to know that just natural what fans will gravitate to as far as evaluating an interest. It's always a wide receiver position, and certainly the top end is fit. Uh, The two new signees are at the bottom end of the uh, roster. In in terms of the core, I think those guys will make it. I want to ask you about a receiver that's going to be in his second year in Khalil Shakir like what is the ceiling what is the floor is this somebody who could actually develop into a true number two or at the end of camp are we going to be talking about all right we we need to see more here to me I I have this wide variance on Khalil Shakir and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on him
2: I think he's being slept on honestly I mean they add Deontay Hardy who's that deep play threat yard after catch guy but He's going to be limited in terms of his reps at five feet six inches, 170 pounds. Uh, you know, Trent Sherfield's come in; and he made a good impression on Josh Allen. But going back to Khalil Shakir, this is someone that can play inside and outside. He's someone that I think by the end of last season, the coaching staff started to show their faith in him. The last three regular season games, he played over 25 percent of the offensive snaps. Uh, that's big because early on in the year, he was seeing limited reps, limited opportunities. He had to work on his blocking. He got better in that area. Uh, And then late in the season, he was one of their better players, especially in the playoffs. Uh, People forget that in that Dolphins game, he would have gone over 100 yards receiving had he not dropped a 54-yard pass right before halftime about the two-minute warning mark. Uh, It hit him on the hands. It looked like he came down with it, but it had hit the ground. He would have had 100 yards in that game, and he was one of the more productive receivers uh, in the Bengals matchup. Uh, You know, no one was really good in that Bengals game. He only had two catches for 40 yards, but he hauled in both of his targets. He looked like he belonged out there. So people are kind of forgetting the fact that this is someone that worked his way into this lineup playing a fourth of the snaps. I think he's going to have more opportunities uh, to kind of make a, a play for significant playing time, you know, giving Gabe Davis a rest here and there getting some opportunities in the slot and you don't want to put too much stock into off season workouts, but I love the fact that he went to Eric molds and someone that played in, in the NFL at a very high level for many, many years in Buffalo and worked with him on crafting his game and, and working on his footwork and burst and acceleration uh, I can't wait to actually watch him. He's one of the players I can't wait to see the most at training camp, to see how he looks.
3: Ryan, let, let's continue to talk wide receiver for a second. The, the more salacious storyline from the end of OTAs, of course, is Steph Diggs' uh, absence from day one of the mandatory minicamp and, and how McDermott held, uh, dealt with it and, and the reaction since then. Hey, look, we're not going to dig up anything that's happened and everybody wants to say that it's done, it's water under the bridge. But would the easiest way for that to be actually true would be to ha- hear from Steph? Diggs on day one do you think we'll hear from steph Diggs day one on his his mindset heading into training camp
2: i would like to think that that's something the bills are going to take a priority in doing getting it done and over with out of the way because the longer he doesn't speak to the media the longer they keep him away from the media uh the longer it remains a storyline even if it's one where he's there and he's practicing he looks the you know he looks good you're going to have the national outlets running with, what well, we still haven't heard from him. Is he happy? Is he unhappy? Um, the the easiest way for the Bills to put an end to this is put him in front of the media. Let give him a, a you know a few minutes to ask their questions. Let him talk about the end of the season. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure we'll probably get some some generic responses about what happened here in the spring. But at least if you get him out there, the the storyline is then pretty much all but finished.
4: Ryan, has there been a topic that has had more rumors, some unsubstantiated, certainly, that we just can't talk about um, in in regards to what happened in that Bengal game with Steph Diggs to what happened at minicamp? seems to me that uh, everybody, uh, you know, part of this story is, all right, it's a slow news time and let's all kind of like, you know, believe what fiction you want to believe here.
2: Yeah, there's something to be said about that because that everyone saw him throw up his arms towards the direction of Josh Allen, an offensive coach, and from that you can get that there was a level of frustration, but was it that he wasn't being targeted, was it was just they weren't playing a good football game, uh, you know, they had run out of steam, so to speak. We don't know exactly what he was upset about what was going on there, but when you have that image in your mind, and it's one of the last images you have of a, A season with high expectations, a season when you win 13 games. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, people are going to take the ball with and kind of run with it.
3: We're going to see you at St. John Fisher, right?
2: Yeah, you're going to see me a few times at St. John Fisher. I'll I'll be there for a few of the weekend practices. Uh, And then we have a special uh, shout podcast that we are partnering up with Dorado. Uh, Dorado is letting us bring wing nuts to Rochester. Uh, they're going to come and cook some wings at Dorado on August 7th. We're going to have a live shout podcast there on 6 p.m.
4: Seventh. What day of the week is that? That's a Monday. That's
2: a Monday.
4: Okay. So, Ryan, if, uh, you know, we, we got to get you at camp, but tell me this is true. Like Your brother is getting married during training camp. Does he not know the rules of football season in Western New York?
2: You know, I, I said, how come you didn't run by my schedule when you're trying yeah. to book this important event? And he, he kind of just ignored me. Yeah. You know, I was, I was stunned, but no, you know, in all seriousness, series I was excited for him, but yeah, he picked uh Friday, July 28th uh, to get uh, married and I'll be there, but then I'll be uh, at the practice on Sunday. They don't have a practice on Saturday that weekend, but I will be up in Rochester later that weekend.
3: Don't listen to this guy. He and I both got married in the month of August, too. There's nothing wrong with getting married. Before the month we of got in before we got into the
4: football. Yeah, like yeah, your brother yeah. works
3: in the industry, right? Am I
2: mistaken or? No, that's my cousin. That's, that's actually your cousin. my cousin okay. that's in Yeah. Oh, all right. Yeah, see my brother's a, a principal, so he he gets his, you know, every little bit off in the summertime. That's probably the rationale of thinking.
3: All right, so we've got the uh, live show covered for when you're at training camp, Ryan. What else are you and uh, and Matt working on at NewYorkUpstate.com dot com here leading up to a week from Wednesday?
2: Yeah, I'm doing a series twenty three builds questions for the twenty twenty three season. So there's going to be some training camp topics. Um, who are some available free agents that the Bills could look at if the you know player X Y or Z isn't living up to their status at training camp some in-season questions so that's the big thing we're working on working on there and then obviously we'll be doing one or two shout episodes every week uh leading up to camp and then during camp we will have a a shout podcast after every practice
4: all right ryan uh, looking forward to catching up with you and matt uh as you're coming back to rochester be well enjoy this uh final weekend coming up of uh non-buffalo bills football
3: all right. Thanks, guys. You got it. Ryan Talbot, NewYorkUpstate.com, the shop podcast. Good to check in with him as we uh, gear up for Bills training camp, which gets underway at St. John Fisher uh, starting a week from Wednesday. Yeah. Which player are you most interested in seeing danger? I've said it's mm. Shakir for me. That's the one I'm like, okay. I, I, I really want to see the linebackers. I, re, you know, because Tremaine Edmonds. Came in to the league with such a presence just because of his size, just the physical nature of the player. And I know we won't have that this year. You've got Milano, who's a stud, but you've got three guys really that are just guys as far as we know. Now, if Dorian Williams is a rookie can come in and be impactful and show up at training, I have my doubts because that would be kind of off brand for Sean McDermott. That would be interesting. But it would also be admitting that you whiffed on last year's third-round pick in Terrell Bernard. So, yeah, the 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 constant guy here is Dodson. And Dodson, it might actually be his job to lose. And you might need that depth because, as Ryan mentioned, Dodson hasn't been able to really stay on the field. There's been some durability issues
4: there. Well, look, you could say, okay, who cares? Middle linebacker position. It's a passing league. I don't know. Like The Jets are going to be able to to at least go to a running game when they need it. Let's assume Josh Jacobs would be there week two. I don't want that. That, that would be the formula to come in and upset the Buffalo Bills in week two. I can't even believe I'm saying that, but that was possible. Um, the Dolphins are going to make a commitment to the run. Saquon Barkley, I figure, is going to be on the field when he comes into Buffalo. There's going to be teams that can run the ball against the Bills' danger, certainly when the Bills have to go to Philadelphia.
3: I mean, so you got to figure this out. Another guy that I just want to see, just to see what he brings to the table. I don't know that he's going to start unless something catastrophic happens, but Taylor Rapp, from the moment they signed him, was very interesting to me. Eventually, you're going to have to move on from Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. So who are those guys going to be because the pipeline you know it's not a deep there's not a lot of depth there the pipeline mm-hmm. is kind of it's kind of empty at uh, in the Bills uh, defensive backfield so we'll we'll see in that secondary who Taylor Rapp is what he's all about here coming up training camp I, I'm excited man I can't wait And uh, it gets busy, gets really busy for us, but it's a good busy. It's the kind of busy that you kind of like look forward to with anticipation, just knowing, all right, there's a lot of – it's sensory overload. There's a lot happening. Well,
4: you and I feel like we've got this responsibility because, guess what? You're working. You have responsibilities. You can't be at camp every day. You're lucky to be at camp the way it is now one day. Yeah. Right? So that's where we – kind of fill in the gaps here every afternoon
3: I'll drink to that is next in the sports part it's time for some takes on tap yeah I've got
4: like the Mets are not the most disappointing team in baseball okay not yet not, some Yankee fans would be like ah, look you're still in this okay
3: um the, the Mets can't hit no they can't hit what happened they came out of the break. they like these guys can't hit.
4: That's the Dodgers,
3: dude. Yeah, I know, but that's the team you're trying to... You have to be able to compete with those teams if you want to be in the postseason. And I've got another take danger, and I think it's going to...
4: might inflame your emotions here, but I think one of your favorites is...
3: I end up talking out of both sides of his mouth. Oh, wait. wait, You mean to tell me that the only standard that exists is a double standard? Kind of a hypocrite. Maybe I should sit down for this one. If you want in-depth, highly intelligent, super-secret fantasy football advice, it's my mission for you to consider the sports bar with Danger and Bataglia, your number one most trusted source. I am going to give you five players you must avoid come draft day. That's on the way here next in the sports bar.